0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We're going to consider verses 15 through 19 in a message entitled, The Son of God Was Raised Up. In the story of Christmas and in the birth of Jesus into the world, there is much beauty along with a dose of reality. Jesus was born into the world to die. And the connection between the manger and the cross is unmistakable. It was a humble birth that Jesus was born into in a lonely, dark stable among animals and nearby shepherds. The world did not know that the event would change all of time and eternity. And God gave the greatest gift of all when he gave the gift of his son, As we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I want to focus in these few moments that we have together on a passage of scripture that was recorded some 1,400 years before the birth of Jesus. In the words of Moses, the man chosen by God to lead the people of God. You remember Moses, the man who was called to lead the people out of Egypt and toward the promised land? He was the principal writer of the first five books of the Bible, which lay the foundation for the rest of the book. And in it, God delivered the law to Moses, which was intended to show the people their need for God and also help them understand the holy character of God. Moses' role in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of the role that Jesus has in the New Testament. In Deuteronomy 18, Moses promised that God would raise up a prophet like him from the midst of the people. He also warned Israel to be on the lookout for false prophets, and he set forth some criteria to know the false from the true. And when they entered into the promised land, they were to be careful not to take on the practices of the pagans who were there, the nations that were wrapped up in idolatry and did not honor or love God. And they were to be careful not to be entrapped in that. But we know the sad story is that by and large, uh, they disobeyed that commandment from God and they began to look a lot like the nations that were around them. God promised that He would raise up a line of godly prophets. These godly prophets would speak the words of God to the people. And that line would culminate in one person who would be a prophet like Moses except greater. And to him, the people were to listen. And his words pointed to Jesus, the son of God who was raised up at just the right time. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and beginning in verse 15, uh, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. This is what you requested from the Lord, your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly. When you said, Let us not continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God or see this great fire any longer, so that we will not die. Then the Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. And then, verse 19 I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks. In my name. Moses was the first and the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets, a man who spoke with God face to face and who was used greatly by God in miracles and also in leading the people. There would be a long line of prophets that would follow after him who would seek to do the same thing in speaking the truth and leading people toward God. But I believe that the Jews understood that Moses' prophecy in Deuteronomy 18 would one day be fulfilled in a literal sense. It would be fulfilled in the coming of the prophet who would either come just before the Messiah or who would in fact be the Messiah himself. There was a dialogue between John the Baptist And the Jews, John the Baptist being the forerunner of Jesus, and in John chapter 1, they asked him who he was, and he said, I am not the Christ. And they said, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, No. Well then, are you the prophet? And he said, No. When they said, Are you the prophet? I believe both the Jews and John the Baptist would have understood the reference to be the prophecy that was given in Deuteronomy 18. The same thing happened to Jesus when he performed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6. Uh, They responded, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. I believe again a reference to Deuteronomy 18. Later when he spoke to the multitudes at the feast of the tabernacles, some of the people proclaimed in John chapter 7, surely this man is the prophet. In John chapter 5, there's a long dialogue between Christ and his antagonist when he was questioned about his credentials to be the Messiah. He summarized his position by pointing to Moses, who was revered, and he said in verse 46, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Where did Moses write about Christ? Certainly and specifically in Deuteronomy 18. If there's any remaining question about Jesus being the prophet like Moses in this passage, let's consider one more event in Acts chapter 3. You remember when the lame man was healed and Peter began to preach as the people watched in amazement as the man was able to walk and as part of his proof that Jesus is the promised Messiah, where did Peter quote from? Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15. So we look to Jesus as the ultimate fulfillment. He was raised up by God as God in the flesh, in intimate fellowship with God the Father, from among the people as an Israelite, and as one who spoke with divine authority. And that's what a prophet is, someone who speaks on behalf of God with divine authority, delivering the message of God, and also speaking of the future events to come. There were two ultimate tests for any prophet. Did he speak with truth, and did he speak with accuracy? Because a prophet of God, a true prophet, had to be both true and accurate, and never lead the people away from the true worship of God alone. So in these few moments that we have together, I want to share with you some truths about the Son of God who was raised up. First, as the ultimate prophet who was raised up, the Son of God was raised up to declare the Word of God. He was raised up to declare the Word of God. Jesus came to declare the Word of God with his life. John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came not only to declare the word of God with his life, but also with his teaching. His words carried more weight than any ordinary earthly prophet because he was God in the flesh. This was the living word who was speaking what would become for us the written word. He is the preeminent declaration of God having come to earth. And he spoke these words of divine authority. In fact, when Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount, his hearers commented that he spoke as one who had authority, not as uh, the teachers of the law. Why? Because he was the heaven-sent messenger from God. At one point, he came to Capernaum, and he entered into the synagogue to teach. Mark chapter 1 records it along about verse 22. And it says that they were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as one that had authority and not like the scribes. And there was an unclean spirit who was in their midst who recognized Jesus, and he cries out there in the synagogue, And Jesus commands him to be silent and to come out. And the man that he was uh, possessing uh, began to convulse, and the spirit came out. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 27 says, they were all amazed and they began to speak to each other. What is this, a new teaching with authority? And then all at once, the news about Jesus began to spread throughout the vicinity of Galilee. Jesus said that his words would not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will last forever. And these words that Jesus spoke that were in fact the word of God were words of eternal life. Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And that's the message that we have. That's the message of the gospel, that this truth is not just for us, but it's for all people. It's for every tribe and tongue and nation. It's to be shared to the ends of the earth. All that Jesus has commanded, we are to teach people. And even today, as we saw this beautiful presentation of the gospel in believers' baptism, we're reminded of the command of Jesus, that we're told to to go into all the world and to make disciples. That's the mission of the church. How do we make disciples? By proclaiming that there's good news, that there's a God who can be known. By proclaiming the wonderful truth that each of us can be forgiven of our sins. To proclaim the truth that we can have a home in heaven. That's why it's called good news. It's good news for all who believe and come and follow Jesus. Second, as the ultimate prophet who was raised up, the Son of God was raised up to declare the human predicament of sin and the solution for it. Now Jesus spoke of his purpose in coming in that familiar verse that most people at least have heard. John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world, verse 17, to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So this is why Jesus came. And as the ultimate prophet of God, the very idea that God would have to send his only son from heaven to earth tells us that we were in a serious predicament. We were in a dark circumstance. We were without help and we were without hope. And had God not intervened by sending the one and only Savior, we would have remained in our sins under condemnation, own our way to be separated from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. But God, because of his great love for us, has sent his only son, so that not have to be the case. That if we come to him by faith, we can have the predicament for our sin overcome and find the solution in Jesus Christ. Now, why is it that people turn away from the truth even when it's obviously in front of them? Well, in the verses that follow, John 3 and verse 16 and 17, Jesus tells us. He says, this is the judgment, verse 19, the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. In other words, people want to do what people want to do and in doing so they think there's no accountability, there's not a God to whom they will answer, there's not a creator uh, for which they should be concerned. And they just go on and go on and continue on with life as it is, somehow hoping that it will work out in the end. That's not the message that Jesus came to deliver. Jesus came to deliver the message that though we are lost in our sins under condemnation, that we can be found in him, forgiven and freed on a life of purpose because he is the solution for the predicament that we find ourselves in. This is the hope that we have in him. And then third, as the ultimate prophet who was raised up, the son of God was raised up to declare the things that are yet to come. Jesus in his prophetic role made specific predictions that were fulfilled either in his lifetime or soon after. Remember the context of Deuteronomy 18, a prophet had to speak truth and a prophet had to be absolutely accurate Otherwise, he would be under the penalty of death. It was a very serious matter to be called a prophet of God. So when Jesus spoke, and then what he spoke came true, it was in part affirmation, confirmation of who he was. Jesus predicted that one of his inner circle would betray him, and that was fulfilled in Judas. Jesus predicted his crucifixion, and that was fulfilled on Good Friday in Jerusalem. Jesus predicted his resurrection from the dead after he had been crucified, and that was fulfilled on Easter Sunday in Jerusalem. Jesus predicted the coming of the Holy Spirit, and that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Jesus predicted the fall of Jerusalem, and that would happen literally in 70 AD under the Roman dominion. And then he was, of course, speaking of things that are still yet to come as well. And then finally, Jesus, in regards to the last days, said that there are some signs and some things that we ought to be looking for, that we ought to be anticipating. He did not give us a timeline, but he gave us some things that we can be looking for. And as we see the times that are around us, and we read the circumstances that we find ourselves in, we can certainly see that the very things that Jesus said we ought to expect are, in fact, coming to pass. Everything Jesus said would come true and has come true exactly as he said it. And after all, we would expect nothing less From a true prophet of God. I say to you today, there are only two possible responses to the Son of God. You can either listen to him or you can disregard his words. In Deuteronomy 18, when Moses promised a prophet like me, he added the statement notice again in verse 15 you must listen to him. You see, there's a lot of people that know about Christmas. Do you know there are people that even know about Christmas and love Christmas but don't genuinely celebrate the reason that there is a Christmas? There are many people that are completely secular in their thinking or maybe coming from other perspectives and they love the pageantry of the season and they love all of the colors and the celebrations and the food and the presents and everything that goes along with it. But tragically don't understand the significance of the greatest gift of all. And I stand here today to tell you that that gift has been given for you. That God gave his only son who came from heaven to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And he came and lived a perfect life and did what we could not do. He fulfilled the law of God at every point. He willingly gave himself on the cross for my sins and for your sins. He died for us. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And the Bible says if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. Eternal life is a gift, but every gift has to be received. And you can receive that gift today and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Most of you have probably heard somewhere along the way the writing, One Solitary Life. And I want to share that with you, and I'm going to come toward a close. He was born in an obs- obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never held an office, he never went to college, he never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of these things, usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33, and his friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies, and he went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth when he was dead he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend centuries have come and gone and today jesus is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress all the armies that have ever marched all the navies that have ever sailed all the parliaments that have ever sat all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. Jesus is the Son of God, crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. And the invitation to you is to crown him as Savior and Lord of your life and join the untold numbers of millions around the world who worship him as the one who is worthy of our worship. I want to ask if you will bow with me for a moment in prayer. We're not going to sing a closing song today, but we are going to have a time of closing prayer and an opportunity for you to respond to the message that you've just heard. I want you just for a moment, follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of his, to just reflect on what God has done and thank him for the ultimate gift that has been given. In Jesus Christ, the one who was raised up to show us who God is and to give his life for us for our sins. Disciple, would you just thank God for what he's done? But I wonder if you're listening, whether you're here in the room or you're following along with us online, or maybe you're going to hear this message later on by video or podcast, I wonder if you were to be honest whether or not you could say that you have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Have you taken that step of faith and received the gift, the ultimate gift that God has brought to you? If not, now would be a good time. You say, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to know that I'm right with my creator. I want to know that my life is has purpose I want to be certain that I have a home in heaven and I believe that the way to all of these is through faith in the Lord Jesus by turning from my sins and turning to him friends you can pray a prayer right now wherever you are and you can say God I believe that you are the creator and that you made me and you're holy and I'm a sinner and I can't save myself there's nothing I can do to make myself good enough to go to heaven. But I believe that you sent the gift of your only son who lived, who died on the cross, who was buried and was raised, and he is the only way to salvation. Right now, in this moment, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and for Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. Father, we thank you that it's just that plain that the gospel is just that clear, that we call it good news because it is the best news of all. And I pray that you would use this message and this presentation and music this morning to remind us all of this great hope that we have and to remind us that in the midst of a lot of darkness this year, that the light of Jesus shines brightly and our hope in him is certain. I pray for every person who's joined with us, that we would have a blessed and merry Christmas because of who Christ is, and then even in the midst maybe of limitations or challenges of gathering of our families or other things that we might normally do, that we would not let any of that steal our joy, but we would find our joy in you, and we pray all these things for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. So grateful for you joining here with us today in worship. Remember Christmas Eve, if you're around and want to come worship with us for one of those two services, uh, that'll be the only thing that we do this week. Otherwise, we'll see you back on Sunday morning. As the service concludes, I'll be down front. I'd be glad to pray with you, answer any questions you have about the gospel or something that I said this morning, and just try to be an encouragement uh, to you before you leave Uh, But God bless you, and if I don't see you again, Merry Christmas. And uh, that's going to conclude our service together today.